Welcome to the Hub Crawl, a roundtable podcast discussing all things Disney. I'm Eric. And I'm Ryan. Each episode, we invite two guests to bring a question and talk about one of our favorite things, Disney. This week, we want to welcome Dan to the show. Dan is the co-host of the Supreme Resort, Scraping the Vault, and Dan Hates the Beatles. Whoa, Dan Hates the Beatles? What? I don't know. I'm just, I'm the only person, I guess. All right, thanks, Dan. Welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Also joining us this week is David. David is my co-host on the newest uh, podcast on the Ears Up Network, Puny Pod, which is a Marvel rewatch podcast. He's also a executive producer on the Supreme Resort podcast, and he's discovered every hidden Mickey at Disneyland. Wow. All Hi, 19 David. of all 19 of them, I found them all. <laughs> wow what an accomplishment Clap. took me 45 minutes it was easy <laughs> <laughs> just started drawing circles everywhere it's like, there's one that's a hidden mickey number three down Check. <laughs> and he's no he's longer allowed in the parks because <laughs> i mean and, uh, <laughs> and as they as, i didn't as see the no spray paint rule <laughs> right. Well, everybody, as you could tell, Teg's not here this week. Teg is on vacation in Europe, so I invited some of my uh, my miscreant friends to join the podcast. Ryan has helped us out before, and he's here to help us out again. And David and Dan are also here, probably not to help. I'm not sure. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Let's start off here with our first question. Eric, it's your question. Uh, who is the best Disney CEO? I would love your opinions. Dan, begin. <laughs> I tried to come up with a more like spicy and interesting answer, but I think Walt and Roy Disney were the best CEO. And I think that it's it seems like such an obvious thing that this company needs to have one crazy person who is like, pacing in the background in the back coming up with like wild ideas or grabbing ideas from other people and shoving them together and going like yeah that's let's do that what if we put a well in the park then right no white behind it yeah <laughs> yeah and another person who is able to go like okay that's too crazy that okay that one that we can do that one <laughs> <laughs> and here's the checkbook <laughs> right and and also to to be like okay we can build a mountain in the park i guess but it needs here are some specifications that we need to wor work with and i think right Roy, Roy, can it have lava no <laughs> no no, no okay well have a candy <laughs> and i think that so many failures of of the of leadership have been a re have been a result of a rejection of that model where it's just like it's just the money person you know or every once in a while <laughs> it was just the idea person in the form of Eisner for some time and then he became the money person because like whoops I guess I'm bad at that <laughs> <laughs> Ryan I am tossing it to you oh thanks Dan I will catch it <laughs> it's actually funny that you mentioned Eisner there at the end because that transitions really well into my answer, which I think if we get to pick and choose, I would say Eisner before Wells passed. Eisner 
pre-Wells's death was probably the best modern CEO of the company. Okay. I kind of tossed out the Walt idea just because that, that seems like the easy answer. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Dan. But no, I mean, Eisner had had so much in that first half of his career and genuinely the Disney decade that he had pitched was a good idea. Like it, 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 it could have been really awesome, but I think the steam that he lost when his kind of partner in crime was no longer there with him, just totally derailed everything. And so I think if you're looking at career all in, no, it's not perfect. And maybe still the, best uh i don't know there there's there's some argument to be made for bobby i i think uh, as well but yeah okay but yeah eisner would be my pick so let's see here david you're up next bob chapek done eric it's on to no i'm kidding boom um, drop. <laughs> boom <laughs> all right boom bobby I'm going to... we're all done i figured Actually, uh go ahead sorry Do, now that it's been what Six months or longer. It's been almost how long has it been since they? Oh man, it's been a little longer. More than six, yeah. Nine. Was he what? Okay, we he was bad, but was he that bad or was he in a bad situation? Terrible. Or or, or what? What? What the? What's the percentage? Because I know it's both. Yeah, I think he was unprepared and he was handed a bad situation. I I would yeah. say thirty eight percent bad situation. Again, a lot of acquisitions, spent a ton of money. Sixty two percent he was not good at it, but handed a pandemic. Remember when Bob Iger got the handwritten note from the Illuminati that said that the world was going to shut down soon? <laughs> yeah. So when Iger 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 bails out in February, he's given this sandwich that he's got to like deal with, which is the pandemic. The parks are not doing well. And and I would actually argue, like, we'll probably look back in hindsight. You know, he did kickstart Disney Plus. Parks stayed open. It was a rough, rough time. But I don't I know. Think, I mean, I think I think Chapek lacked a lot of the idea pieces, too. There was a lot of like, like the Lake Nona project or to some degree, the Star Cruiser, where he he was doing a lot of like, oh, yeah, I can do this thing, too. I can make waves too. And, and they were not super inspired moves and, and all the way down to the, the cruise ship that he brokered the deal. And ultimately I think it went on Iger's tab, but. Oh, the giant, the giant one that's coming out of Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. The, the like city on the seas basically that has a big space that should be a casino that. God only what knows do we what do it now? will be. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things in Chapek's time where he he was either trying to match up to what previous CEOs had done, right? So, hey, let me spend all this money at Lake Nona to be kind of like the Fox acquisition or whatever, right? He was trying to make his mark and his marks just pardon the pun missed the mark. <laughs> I think Chapek. I don't know that anyone could possibly, even if he did care. I don't think anyone could convince me that he actually cared about the mission of the company or the vision or yeah. anything like that. I think yeah. he was just 
a business dude who was just like an empty suit. And I think, I don't know that he failed upwards necessarily, but conceptually, I think he did. I think it was just like, oh, there's, he'll just do any job because he's the person that does any job. And well, he came, he came up through the VHS straight to sequels, which I know that you're very close with Dan. I love them. Like, Dan, pl- pl- plug your show real quick. <laughs> we watch the straight to video Disney sequels and they are awful. <laughs> and what is the name of your show, Dan? Please. Is, oh listeners. yes, it's called Scraping the Vault. <laughs> okay. Yes. But yeah, I know I know Chapek came up through that and those those are like you say empty suits, right? At the yeah. end of the day, those are cash grabs, hence the original name of that show. Wow, deep cut. Boom. I, yeah, I think at the end I think at the end of the day, there's a lot I'm not saying a lot of this is there, but there's a touch of this where he, he, Bob Chapek just fundamentally seems like the kind of person who would do everything right and then be indicted. <laughs> it's not, it's not about Bob Chapek. No, my answer was a, a gentleman by the name of Don Tatum, Don with two N's. Oh, he was the and CEO two from, and two T's, but not next to each other. He was CEO. He was entertainment lawyer. Uh, he was recruited by Walt to work for the company in 1956. He served on the company's board of directors. He was vice president and administrative assistant to Roy Disney. And after Roy died in 1971, he, Don, succeeded him as chairman and CEO of the Walt Disney Company. I, the reason I picked him was, you know, the Disneys are the obvious answer, but he was the first non-Disney family CEO. He was the first president of Walt Disney World Company. And he was instrumental in helping Roy with Walt Disney World, Epcot Center, Tokyo Disney. And after he uh, left CEO, he made part of Disney until he passed 1992. And he is a Disney legend. So that is that is the CEO I chose. Would not probably be most people's first choice. But I thought he was an interesting character person in the history of Disney executive leadership. How about you, Eric? Who do you pick? Well, yeah, it, because when I when I said best CEO, I kind of put us all into a corner. And thank you for going with most interesting, because I'd also like to go with interesting. I really like Ron Miller, who you're was Waltz. What's that now? <laughs> I said, so you're the one. Oh, yes. Poor Ron Miller. He was definitely not the best CEO. Definitely not. But he was the CEO for four years. He came in, he was the the husband of one of Walt's daughters. He was a football player. Like Walt <laughs> recruited him from college and said, well, I guess we can get him to do something. And it, eventually he's on top of the company because he like shook hands with Walt more times than, than Don Tatum. I don't know. Like he's just, on top of the company for a few years, there are horrible things that happened during these years. Ron Miller is not trained to handle a green mail scandal where massively wealthy people try to buy the company out from underneath him. He's not ready for that, but he does pave the way for Eisner, a competent CEO and Wells, a competent, competent CFO to come in and take the company back and, and put it back on track. Ron Miller, he, He's, he seemed like a nice guy, and he got a bad rap because he was put into a horrible situation, not completely unlike Bob Chapek. 
Like, Ron Miller is certainly the one, if you're talking about most interesting, he, he's the one that I want to see the movie about. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like, Walt picked him, he's like, oh, you're marrying my daughter. Oh, well, uh, let's put you in charge of something. I'll show you. How about that? <laughs> How about that over there? I mean, Walt's, Walt's like, famous for ta- for saying... Uh, Xavier Atencio, uh, how about you write a song? I'm an artist. Write a song. Get it on my desk <laughs> next it. week. It's got to be about pirates. And he looked at he looked at a football player and said, "You're in charge of I don't know. How about uh, the whole dang thing? Right? How about all of it? Here's a I'll script for the movie soon. Yeah." <laughs> Here's Betty Davis. She has a very interesting pro- project she wants to do called Watcher in the Woods. <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, and in some of these situations, like he green greenlit like the Black Cauldron, which is a like a really cool book and a series of like it's part of a series of books that were great, and it, they created this really dark, terrifying movie dark terrifying movie that would have been worse if jeffrey katzenberg hadn't have come in and gone oh oh hell no no thank you <laughs> and i want to see i don't that understand movie. what this is this was the the first like pg rated animated movie instead of g-rated like i loved reading those books when i was a kid and then when i watched the movie i'm like mm, okay okay yeah all right i get it there's some stuff happening and there's a terrifying monster. All right, great. But yeah, like he he just kind of shot from the hip and went, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's keep going. I'm in charge Would of a whole dang his company. mission was accomplished? There we go. Yes, absolutely. Hey, Ron, here's a script for a little movie called The Black Hole. Oh, the black. Oh, another movie where a terrifying monster goes to hell. I love that movie. If you ever wanted to see Robot in Hell, people. And who doesn't? The Black Hole. Not the Black Cauldron. Different villain there. Yes. One's a robot. One's a guy with a with a skeletor face. Spoiler right. alert. Haven't seen oh, it. Oh, man. Come David, on, man. You, you did. What, oh, by sure, David. David, by now you surely know that the robot is in Black Cauldron. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. It's the pig. I'm just so I was just so conditioned when talking about movies to, to say spoiler alert on it, everything. So, oh, a frequent thing on PewDiePod. Yes, I'm a they... sturdy cauldron. <laughs> the cauldron is a robot. Uh, well, that wraps up our first question, Dan. <laughs> you uh, continue our show, please. <laughs> okay, when you are in the parks and you see parents doing things right or wrong with children that they're trying to give a magical experience. What do you think of? What are, what do they do right that you've seen? What do they do wrong that you've seen? And we're going to start with Ryan. Yeah, this could, this could be like a whole episode in and of itself, honestly. So I just went to the parks last month for the first time with my child who is, Currently 10 and a half months old. So very, very young kid. Definitely viewing viewing the parks in a lot of way, different ways than I had before. I think what struck me as the biggest difference and the thing that I don't, I think probably a lot of parents fail to do is remember that 
you are the the price of admission is not just the price of rides and what i mean by that is especially in a disney park you are paying to be in that place and so there is a lot of value in just being there finding a bench sitting down sitting on the hub and watching people go by you know maybe you take some of the slower rides maybe you jump on the sailing ship columbia or you jump on the mark twain and you go around or you know just kind of being in place and and really taking that in and enjoying it before i was a father i definitely was one of those go 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 pack as many rides in as possible if you're not doing rides you're doing it wrong you know even to a point where like nighttime spectaculars and parades were even like in question whether I would attend them but after especially after this trip with my kiddo we we paid for the parade package for magic happens which phenomenal parade magic happens is the parade right did i get that yeah. right yeah that's the parade it yes. is phenomenal it you're, is you're a it disney is, expert it's okay yeah <laughs> it is legitimately a phenomenal parade paying a little bit extra for the for the viewing package is nice it gets you your lunch and all that good stuff but just being in place being there it also helps you as as an adult who probably has been to the parks a million times view it in a slightly different way maybe you haven't noticed some of those little details that are like along main street or whatever and or you haven't noticed how nice the tiki room is to take a nap in (laughs) (laughs) tiki dads yeah (laughs) but but yeah i think i think that's the thing like remember that that your price of admission is is not your price to ride the rides it's your price to be there so with that i'm gonna toss it over to the other father on this podcast david i don't think kids should be in the park at all so Wild. Okay, I agree. All right, okay. On to Eric. The end. No, uh, no. I think that it, it kind of depends on like like what age group kids you're talking about. If you're if you have young children, they're you know two, three, four years old. It's a, it's a much different experience. It's hard to it's hard to have a collective sense of the trip. For me, I think my kids are older. I did not. I grew up while I grew up in California. I did not grow up going to the parks. I lived in Northern California. I think I went once as a child. But it wasn't a regular everyday thing for me. David, is California a large state? <clears throat> California is the largest continent in the United States. <laughs> no, it's a fairly big state. My mom was uh, fairly poor growing up, so it was just not something that was in the in the cards. We went one time, and I threw up on the plane on the way down because I'd never been on a plane before. So, yeah, good times. But I would say that. I started going to the parks with my kids when they were young. My kids are now full-grown adults. We still enjoy going to the parks. It's the answer when you say for, you know, going to the park with kids. I'm going to assume you're going to the park with kids who are like, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe a little bit older. Um, let's say not, would, let's say they, they can't drive themselves there. They cannot drive. Let's say they cannot so drive themselves there. Less sure. than 60. But I think you, I think the main part is to, I like what Ryan said about it's you're there to have for the experience. It's not, you're not there to crush rides necessarily, but I also think it's important to have a perspective like the trip. It's a family trip. It's not just about the kids. And if if your children are old enough where you can say, Hey, let's all have something we want to do. You have a plan. You have to be adaptable. If the kids are, have the wish list items, it's okay for the parents to have a wish list item too. 
if it's I, I think the the mistake that I see some parents make where it's like everything's about the child. The child's dressed up as a Disney princess or the prince and and they are the center of attention, everything they want to do. And that's the entire day. And I think, again, if it's a kid's birthday, if they're super young, I get it. But if they're older, I think there has to be a little balance. I also think that one of the things that I think is really important for parents to do is to demonstrate positive behavior for their kids. So whether you're talking to cast members, other people in line, be polite, be nice, be gracious. You sometimes see people who are demonstrating kind of negative values because they're like, they're grumpy, they're a cast member, they're kind of, you know, aggrieved for whatever reason in the park. And you just kind of have to step back and say, hey man, you're in Disneyland, right? You're like in the happiest place on earth. You're having, you should be having a great time. And yeah, maybe the white line's a little long. Maybe it's raining. Maybe you didn't get your your lightning lane for whatever. But, you know, be adaptable. Enjoy the time. So how about you, Eric? What would advice? What have you seen? Yeah, I've learned a lot from going to the parks with my sisters and their kids. And the main thing that I, I like to say is you, you have to build in the midday break time. And it's something that I, I learned even thinking back when we were kids. This is something we always did in the middle of the day everybody's got to go back to the hotel, get in that pool. No matter where you're staying, Disneyland, Disney World, the hotel you're staying at probably has a pool. Go back to it. Go into that pool. Get out of the sun. Well, I guess if you're in the pool, you're still in the sun. Get get into a cool environment (laughs) for a little while and not be into a giant place filled with people while you're trying to run between rides and pay for expensive food. Get out for a little while. Get out of that environment. Have some fun in a different place, decompress, use the resources that you have at your disposal. And once the sun starts setting, go back, watch some fireworks, hit a few more rides, get, go on. It, it's like what you've been saying all along here. It, you can't be so precious that you have to ride everything. You have to start instilling that in your children right from the start. Unless they're an insufferable like weirdo like me, they're, they're not going to know how <laughs> many rides are available how many attractions they could have seen. Huh? Ah, just do it a, a longer vacation next time. But it, I think, you know, that midday time is great. I think to add on to that too, is if it, if that has to come before midday, also don't be afraid oh, to yeah. like feel that vibe on this last trip. Our second day was a three day trip. And on our second day, we started in Disney, uh, in DCA and lines were just atrocious. It was just, miserable and so i literally like two rides into the day i i turned to my wife and i was like let's just call it let's go back to the hotel let's relax let's jump in the pool and then kind of come back a little bit more refreshed and for our sake it helped that that happened to be a grad night so we knew why dca was busy and so we (laughs) could hop over to disneyland and make the rest of the day a lot better but definitely that flexibility of like if you're feeling the vibe where everybody's feeling burnt like burnt out or worn down it's just going to be worse if you don't take that break so just just take that break adapt and keep rolling yeah for sure i mean the the trip that i really learned that that that's a viable way of handling your day was one year where we were there with my my sister my sisters at that point we had a a pre-rope drop morning at the magic kingdom 
in Walt Disney World at Be Our Guest. So we had breakfast there. After the rope dropped, we were already behind the rope. And that's kind of the, the, the reason why you do that sort of thing. And we did everything in Fantasyland. And after we had finished everything in Fantasyland at least once, we'd done the carousel twice. We did Barnstormer like three times because we discovered that a few of the young ladies liked like that roller coaster. So let's do it again. It's 47 seconds long. Nice. And it, by the end of it, my dad came back with a whole bunch of coffees and pastries from Starbucks on main street. <laughs> and we went, it's like 10 30. Let's get out of here. Yeah. And we spent, we spent the rest of the, the, the day and a, a few hours in the pool. And we, wandered around uh, Port Orleans Riverside for a while and we came back for fireworks. It was great. It was an like it was a fantastic day. So that's that's my main example. Dan, you have thoughts. I have thoughts. I agree with everything that has been said and I think that for me it's more I the, I see parents in the parks very often trying to real trying to reason with like a four-year-old about (laughs) this is how much money I've spent. Do you know how much we've put into this? Why aren't you having fun? They're like shaking the child almost with like their words. And the the kid is just overwhelmed. And I think, I think it's, it's important to understand that that, see there's, there's two sides of this. It's like, it is your trip too. And if you're making yourself miserable by, waiting in line for an hour to get makeup put on your four-year-old, which is weird. There's got to be a balance. It's got to be about giving the kid an experience, but also like they don't know that the Mark Twain sucks until they are turned like 13, which it doesn't suck. It's one of the best rides there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like they just like the vibe and that's kind of it. And I think that, so many parents go in and this is I this is just me observing. I feel like a lot of parents go in with this idea of like the Disneyland equals magical because my childhood was magical at Disneyland. So I'm going to pour all of this effort and time and resources into making the perfect magical day for my child when they just want to hang out and have fun and that's just that's what kids are. That's what they do. And there's a lot of management of ex- expectations. Like you could just hang out in Toontown all day. And if you're not okay with that, maybe you shouldn't go until they're older, you know, like that's just, and there is a time when they're older, when you can say, okay, like we're going to be working at different speeds. We'll meet for this meal, that meal, this event, that event, everyone kind of go off and do your own thing. And we can come back and we can share discoveries and stories that, you know, like uh, you might see things in this place that, I wouldn't see, and you might see it only if you're seeing it with your own eyes and not with my influence. And that's, that's cool. That's, that's part of the fun of family trips as the separation and coming back together. So, yeah, I think, especially if it's a younger kid, I think, and this again, so I was speaking as somebody who does not have children, but I've observed a lot, you kind of have to go in saying like, I'm going to be in, I'm going to have to be super adaptable, but I'm in a place that can adapt with me. I just have to remember that it can do that. And I might not go on Pirates of the Caribbean for eight years, but it's still going to be there for me. Right. Yeah. I think, I think 
frequently, and I think this is a little bit of a Gen X millennial thing, and I see in, in other parents, there's a tendency to try and, like, Almost there's a there's a subset of parents that that see their kids as as almost like an accessory rather than another human, and they want to they want one to show off that that accessory, but two like they forget that that human has their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own way of seeing the world and exploring the world, and it's it's very easy to get caught up in like hey, this is the way I see the world. This is how I interpret it. And so, one, everybody does, but especially my spawn. Especially my spawn is going to see it the same way I did. And so I definitely agree. I think figuring out what that kid enjoys and and letting them enjoy it is really important. When they're young enough, there's a a thing where you have to kind of show them, right? (laughs) Ted could not have have guided our day (laughs) at Disney. (laughs) Right, yeah. A little too soon. Yeah, a little bit too soon for that. But I think once once they get to the point where they can guide things, paying attention to those cues and letting letting it happen is is really important. Plus, not to mention parents, but your kids are probably going to go to bed before closing time. So you're going to get a couple of hours where one of the parents can just go solo to the park. One of the parents goes back and goes to bed with the kid. The other one goes and does all the things that they wish they could have done with without the kids. Or you just leave them on a bench. Put a put a blanket <laughs> on them. Or or do what my parents did and find this is a true story. Find a, an older couple who are by the by Thunder Mountain, which you want to ride, and tell your child that they are his hey, grandchildren gra- grandparents. And talk to them talk to them about it. Oh, make wow. say, you know, hey, here's oh. what we're gonna do. Do you mind watching my my this child? Could, this could be a going. business model. I'll watch your I I will do short-term babysitting while you go on Big Thunder or Guardians or Rise. It's ah, a great idea. They Brilliant. they were very nice. They were very nice people. I remember them being very nice. Real parenting tip there they're I think almost a, every ride with a height requirement offers rider swap now. So literally you just walk up to if it, but if you want to hold hands with your with yeah. your best gal uh just hand your yeah. child off to some some trustworthy looking old folks look eric they're gonna build out this in genie plus it'll be like genie plus plus right <laughs> it'll be like lightning lane right Grandpa but, swap. right exactly what i love about that memory and is that i was just old enough to about halfway through being with these people, put it together and go like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that one has these two. That one has the, who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad they got to enjoy Thunder Mountain though. It's a great ride. Well, That's after great. that endearing story that gets us to the halfway <laughs> mark of the episode. <laughs> I turned out fine. <laughs> sure. Let's see if I can do this better than last time I... I Two-hour hub crawl. Two-hour hub crawl. No. So we're two questions down. We're halfway point. We're at the halfway point. The hub crawl has a Patreon. You can find it at thehubcrawl.com slash support. There are all kinds of really cool perks. There's a Discord you can go hang out in. You can ask bonus. You get access to the bonus questions. Uh You can suggest questions. 
Eric will send you personal locks of his hair if you support at the right level. (laughs) The right level, yes. There's there's the level for that. (laughs) Eric, what what other levels do we have? (laughs) Please head over to thehubcrawl.com slash support and support us at whatever level you wish. You can suggest questions if you join the higher levels. If you pay us even more, we'll probably have you on the show. That's kind of how the way the way things work around around here. But yes, Ryan, great job. Uh, join our community, chime in on the bonus questions, and make sure you get access to the bonus question itself because this this week gets a good one. We we have an extra question for people who are Patreon supporters, and uh, if you support us, you can get a, a few extra minutes of great content. This week's question, have you experienced virtual queues in the parks and what are your opinions on them? We have opinions from the hosts. We have opinions from people in the chat. So please, if you would like to hear a little bit more, head on over and support us. Thehubcrawl.com slash support. Great job, Ryan. Woo! Yeah, let's get back to the questions. Ryan, we're back to Ryan. What do you have for <laughs> us? <laughs> So this is episode 33 of the Hub Call. Episode 33. Uh, whoa. Wait, and um I don't have any good Happy birthday. That's all I got. <laughs> I have I have a I have an audio clip I can play, but I don't think you want to have it on the show. I don't I don't think it's okay. quite uh, as celebratory as you think. <laughs> so Club 33 is a thing in in the Disney sphere. Club 33 costs a lot of money. I think last time I looked it up, it was something like 35 grand in initiation, 10 grand in upkeep. What that costs way too much type of thing would you want to do in the Disney sphere? I'm going to pass it over to David for the first answer. So I've never been to Club 33. I would love to go to Club 33, but that would not be my expenditure i feel like i could find someone who was a member and get to participate and enjoy it as uh, jimmy and eric did recently instead i would book what is called disney parks around the world a private jet adventure so trip the planet is what i'm hearing (sighs) look man it's (laughs) dude we're already off the ledge it doesn't matter anymore we're This thing is toast. Anyway, it is a private jet adventure. It takes guests to nine different locations, including Anaheim, San Francisco, not San Francisco, but to actual Tokyo, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Cairo, Paris, and Orlando as they visit each of the Disney parks and resorts. Quote, embark on a bucket list adventure for 75 ultimate Disney fans. This dream vacation spans 24 days, covers six countries, and includes all 12 uniquely magical Disney theme parks worldwide as well as three iconic landmarks, Taj Mahal, the Pyramids of Giza, and the Eiffel Tower. So you're on a private jet with a bunch of rich fat fat cats. You hope you're not sitting next to like some complete sociopath. There are trips available for 2024. So gentlemen, if you're interested, I'm going to ask you to guess how much do you think this, this costs? You are on a private jet. It includes food. You are going 24 days. You've getting you're getting close to seventy five meals. What do you think it costs? Ninety nine dollars. Okay. <laughs> I you know 
I should remember this because I do work for a travel agency and we can book this for you if you want. If you want. If you really want, we can do it for you. Eric, do you uh, want the do you want people to book book it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like oh. hundred and twenty five grand. It's hundred and fifteen. Yeah. Oh, 15. Oh, I was just going to guess 100. Okay. 115 Ooh. grand. So, yeah, going big. Uh, I mean, it, it sounds super cool, but could you imagine also the children of somebody who, who are being paid <laughs> for to be on that? <laughs> or you're next to someone, like, you're next to someone who's just, like, like coughing the whole time or just got a nasally voice. You're sitting next to Elon Musk. You're just like, no, I'm not doing this. Screw this. <laughs> But that Elon Musk is more of a six-shoot. I'd like to get off. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my. That's what. I, how about you, Eric? What would you? What would be your crazy Disney spend item uh, or okay, experience? First, first off, I have to say San Francisco, Tokyo, San Francisco, Cairo, Orlando, Cairo, Orlando. Huh? Oh, no. No. All right. oh what do we have there? I like yeah. it. Kylando. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Kylando uh, is something very different. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to do the Star Cruiser before it changes. I would stay in the largest suite they have because, uh, according to one of the more recent books, that's uh, the honeymoon location of of uh, Han Solo and Leia. And apparently that's where uh, Ben Solo got conceived, which is a little <laughs> creepy. But, you know... I mean, yeah, I love that they'll build that into the lore, but they won't do anything <laughs> right. with Batu. <laughs> right? Don't, it, um, they've got some Black Spire stuff in the books early, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah. That's that's um, what's going on recently. <laughs> Get yeah, out your I, black light. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe not that. What level does their theming go to? Yeah. Uh, I'd just like to stay in a room that's larger than a small galley with some bunk beds. Yeah. All right. Dan, maybe maybe you're up next. Okay. I think <laughs> <All right. laughs> VIP tour is definitely something that I would like to do in theory, but I suspect that the whole time I would just be kind of feeling bad that I was paying for this person to be a fast pass and a, a butler for me. And I don't know. It just, it, I, 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 I would I, say to, to plug the person who I'm replacing other show, uh, tag tag did a, a talk through of a VIP tour they did. And I was actually genuinely surprised at how accommodating it sounds like the VIP yeah, tours yeah. are where they, they know, they know your vibe. They're like, if you're like, they, they're going to get that vibe that like, you feel bad about how much you're putting me through. So, Let's take it slow. Let's be a human, basically. Yeah, I, just be your fast pass. No, I, I, I get that, but I think that like I, I guess what it comes down to is I don't need that level of accommodation. Yeah. You know, I just it, it sounds like a fun. It, if a bunch of people wanted to do it and they were like, "Hey, you want to come to be like?" Absolutely, I'm totally into this. But it's not something that I feel like I need to do. And my pick is kind of a loser pick, but it, it, there's a reason for it. I, my pick was four days at Grand California Adventure, Grand California Hotel, rather. Reason for that is that I moved to San Diego uh, some time ago, and I used to live much closer to Disneyland. So Disneyland to me was always just a, 
drive there, do it and drive back in the same day kind of place. Totally cool. And if I could still do that, I would, I guess I technically can. It's not that far, but it's kind of just far enough that it's an ordeal. So I have only recently become enamored with the idea of going, staying in a hotel and waking up, going right there, taking a tram or whatever. I've stayed in all sorts of shady and good places around there. You know, Grand Californian is it's become a bucket list item for me where I I actually it is a goal of mine to do that. And I in, in answering this, I'm realizing that I'm missing the point of the question. But I think that I just don't really through training or, or whatever, I don't necessarily th- think in terms of like, here's this impossible th- expensive thing that, yeah, yeah, it would be great to go around the world, but I can't even conceptualize that because that's yeah. so outside of my means. Yeah, but, you don't have to go all the way up to the top just because it's expensive. I mean, yeah, right. And I, and I didn't like when I asked the, when I was formulating this question, I, I actually, I think, you know, your answer is in the spirit of the question. It, it, it very much, I, I chose the wording away from like specifically bucket list item because I know right. one that's been asked here before, but also like, you know, what is it that that's maybe too expensive, but also would be highly enjoyable. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I, within the spirit, within the spirit of the expensiveness element of the question, I would definitely want to stay at a nicer room maybe not the nicest but you know i i have not had that i've had that experience of roll out of my bed at the motel six hop on the bus and you're the second stop to get it to disneyland and that's perfectly fine but i have not woken up and just stepped out into a disney park and i would like to do it for enough days that or enough time that it's not just like, uh, okay, that was your day. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, yeah. is that, Good. is that unique in the U S to the grand Californian? Well, no, Paris here, I guess in the U S to, oh. to have a entrance from the hotel. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. These Pixar days, pier, yeah. I guess has the, the pass under the street or whatever, but no, you walk across a crosswalk. Yeah. You could yeah. still be killed by a motorist. <laughs> Well, California Adventure, it's part of the theming. But no, I I think Grand California, very, very good call. I I would agree with that, Dan. I think that would be really cool. Uh, Well, Ryan, what is your answer to this question other than the one that I gave? Fair, fair. (laughs) I So I have been all over Disney Cruise Line stuff lately. I actually just booked my very first Disney Cruise. We're cruising on the Disney Wish. So in that research, I actually so a couple of things. There is a a whole world out there of like way too expensive to afford drinks, especially on the Disney Wish. There is one at the Beauty and the Beast themed restaurant that's called the Rose and comes in this smoked glass and it looks like the Rose from the Beauty and the Beast. There is a Prohibition era bottle of whiskey that you can get a shot from for a grand at oh, the George Captain Washington Hook Barbary. Is this a George Washington? I don't remember if it's George Washington. Oh. They've got some of those bottles yeah. too. Yeah. Not that like George made them himself, but, <laughs> but yeah, they've got a few really rare bottles on the wish. 
Yeah. But the one that I went ahead and picked, which it got a lot of press, but you know what? Let's cover it again here. The Kyber Crystal at the Hyperspace Lounge. So what the Kyber Crystal is, is it's $5,000. It's your price of admission here. You get, I believe it's three drinks that come in a encoded Camtono. You don't get to keep the Camtono, unfortunately. Come on. But, <laughs> but you do give, get cups. Give me the ice cream maker. <laughs> right? You do get three silver cups. You get decor for your for your stateroom. You get a bottle of Skywalker Vineyards wine. And I think the part that makes up the biggest chunk of that 5K to me is you get a admission to Skywalker Ranch, which... I, for me, as a pretty big Star Wars nerd, I would love to go visit Skywalker Ranch. Now, you don't get travel arrangements or anything. It's just admission onto the grounds. And I have seen varying reports. What's that? I'll come come pick you up at the airport. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen varying reports on how many admissions it is. Some places say it's one. Some places say it's four. I don't know. I can't find a definitive source on that, but at any rate, it'd be really, really cool to to be able to pay that. That's actually a significant chunk more than a four night cruise on the wish for for three drinks, but still would be super fun. Plus, you get the, the trip to Skywalker Ranch, which who doesn't want that? George will pick you up in his um, his old rusted Jeep truck that he really likes. <laughs> This Pinot this Noir has some soft tannins. It's, it's like it's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> His hair is still perfect. Not, George, you say that about everything. Well, I mean, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was a great round of discussion with our special guest, George Lucas. So now we're going to move on to... <laughs> I gotta go. Our last question, which is from David. David, what you got for us? So Disney has been on a spending spree in recent years. In 2004, they acquired the Muppets and the Bear and the Big Blue House assets from the Jim Henson Company for 75 million bones. And since are, then, are you, they... are, are you seeing 2004 as recent? It's recent-ish. But 75 million, that seems really cheap. Anyway... But they've done nothing with the IP in the park. So now you have, now you could theme an entire land after the Muppets. You could theme a restaurant. But what would you, what Muppet theming would you bring to the park? It could be a ride, an attraction, a restaurant, a show, whatever. What would people do? Eric, what do you think? Well, I take umbrage with this question because they haven't done nothing. Walt Disney World put in the Magic Kingdom itself on display a grand uh, a grand act called The Muppets Present Great Moments in American History in Liberty Square. This was performed multiple times per day next to the Hall of Presidents. The, the, the basic idea was let's put on a few little shows about about American history as presented by the Muppets, which is exactly who you want to present you American history in a funny and vaguely factual way. And you had a, uh, a town crier who would show up an actual person. And then up in the windows on the second floor of the building that's next to the hall of presidents, you had actual Muppet 
puppets. They were a little bit larger than they're normally sculpted, just to make them a little more visible to the crowd. But they did great puppetry. They had great audio recorded by Steve Whitmire, who was still doing Kermit. They had Eric Jacobson. They have Dave Gels. They had they had like classic Muppets actors doing this that this bit about American history. They did the, the Declaration of Independence and Paul Revere's Ride, two separate skits. They'd go back and forth, and they'd act them out. And it was it was so much fun, and everybody would gather. It was it, it wasn't like not advertised, but it wasn't. It was one of those things you don't expect to see this happening. So then they it just one of those semi-spontaneous Disney events where the music would swell and somebody would step out and you'd be like, oh, hey, something, something's happening over there. And everybody would gather and watch and everybody would have a great time. The one time I caught it, my wife said, why are you crying? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun to see the Muppets in the parks. So I'm saying that the show that they started a few years ago, it was 2016? And uh, they stopped strangely due to some weird malady that closed the parks for in Florida for 12 minutes and in California for 17 years. They, they stopped doing this show. You just bring that back. Bring it back. That's great. Maybe add in a few more skits, but uh, I'd, I'd, I'd handle that again easily. Dan, how about you? My idea started out as a joke on the Supreme Resort, and the more we thought about it, or maybe I just dreamed dreamt that this happened. The more that no, we, we thought about it, about this, no. Uh, <laughs> the more that we thought about it, or I thought about it while I was sleeping, it became one of those things where you're like, "Wait a minute, that would totally work," and it's just an in the interest of keeping this answer more brief than. That they have been America sings with the Muppets and you could just straight up call it the Muppets present America sings just the same concept through the Muppet filter, bring back the carousel theater, actually use it as a carousel theater. And I mean, I maybe wouldn't, you maybe wouldn't be able to get like 30 years out of it. We get a good solid decade, 15 years out of it before people it back and leave out that weasel. Bored. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could give more, but if you if you know the Muppets, if you know America Sings, put them together, it works. Works pretty yeah. great in Tomorrowland. <laughs> well, I mean, Tomorrowland is a it's a mess anyway. Well, I'm gonna keep us in Tomorrowland with my answer. I would hate to replace this ride, so I'm gonna say that this is contingent on my Ewok plan going through, which is where Star Tours moves to Pooh and then Hungry Bear becomes Hungry Ewok. But then in the space that was Star Tours, you would put in a pigs in space motion (laughs) simulator using the Muppets in space kind of stuff. And I I think that would be super fun, super, super silly. And I think that's what, what... Tomorrowland has to become at some point is is kind of a, a lark on itself and I think that this could be a really good use of that and and I will say also just to back Eric up uh, David your Disneyland is showing because there's also Muppet Vision 3D in Disney World there's also Regal Eagle Steakhouse that's Sam Eagles so far cry from nothing done yeah, already. Yeah Regal Eagle <laughs> is, is more recent I, 
didn't Muppets 3D come out before Jim passed? Because it was. That's fair. It, was I the... guess since 2004. Yeah, I guess I guess saying that things haven't happened since the acquisition. That's and, and that's that's why I didn't bring up Muppets 3D, because we <laughs> both parks got it. It was yeah. great. Regal Eagle, I, I yeah, Regal Eagle is fun. There's there's not enough Muppet in there, but it, it's still yeah. it's still a Muppet adjacent attraction. I just have to give my co-host a little bit of a hard time every once in a while. Oh, it's fine. It's the junior park, whatever. (laughs) All right, David. Well, you clearly had something in mind. So what was your thoughts on this one? I just I love the idea. I'm envisioning. Kermit the Frog famous moments with Mr. Kermit, and he's just like. I am Kermit the Frog, four score and seven. And just the whole thing is just in Muppet voice, the whole in Kermit's voice the whole time. I originally had called for, I think one, even on one of the earlier, earlier episodes of the Supreme Resort, called to retheme Toontown and make it mm-hmm. Muppet Land. But with the new uh, Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railroad, park is pretty cool. Like that ride is fantastic. So I would instead just sprinkle characters in the park. So I would put like Fozzie Bear in Critter Country. I would uh, put Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker in Tomorrowland, have some sort of like feature scientific kind of thing. I would absolutely put Sam the Eagle in as maybe the opener for Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. And then maybe, you know, maybe the rest of Critter Country becomes a little bit more Muppet themed, you know, the Winnie the Pooh ride can be replaced by Kermit and Miss Piggy. Hungry Bear is served by the Sweet Chef. Like, there's just a lot of things you could do. I don't think you'd have to retheme the whole thing. I don't think you'd have to have big attraction rides, but it'd be fun if they sprinkled it in just a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's where the Muppets excel is a, as a addition. So I think that that works well. Or like a like a color commentary to like, hey, right, look right. at what's going on yeah. over here. Yeah, Waldorf and Sadler in Soren. Or in great moments with Mr. Lincoln. There we go. <laughs> Two brothers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a punchline for that one. Other th- that alone. How'd you like to play otherwise, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> oh, no. That does it for this episode of the Hub Crawl, Yay! everybody. We'd like to thank our guests. Where can people find you? What do you have that you would like to plug? David. I am co-host with Ryan on a podcast called PewDiePie, which is a MCU, a Marvel spoiler-free rewatch. It's a fun show. Come check us out. We're also on Discord, and you can find us on social media under PewDiePod. And Dan, how about you? Eric, everybody knows what the Supreme Resort is around here, right? I uh, should you're mention also the Supreme Resort again. The Supreme Resort yeah. and Scraping the Vault and the yeah. Supreme Resort. And then sometimes Dan hates the Beatles. We have a, uh, an episode. Episode comes out about once every six months or if a you year hate or so. Dan hating the Beatles, don't worry. He doesn't hate them often enough. It's true. <laughs> all right. Well, join us next time where we continue to talk all things Disney. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.